Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung Sung, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Nick Jurgelis, better known as Los. Hello. So last episode, we talked about some free agent running backs, and we were going to run through a list of free agents at the other positions. But seeing as there's already been so much activity uh, since free agency started this afternoon, I think that instead we're just going to run through the different signings and trades and basically what it means for fantasy. Um, first, I want to read a quick tweet that I found quite entertaining by Jason Lawhead. Uh, it says, The NFL has literally turned into a fantasy football league, and the Browns are the guy that never logs in. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that, uh, that seems just about right. Seems like they've done just about nothing so far, so we'll, we'll have to see uh, how they look in the preseason. Um, but for now, uh, we're going to talk about the different signings. And for the record, we're recording this on Tuesday night. So we're going to try to cover as much as we can about everything that's happened so far. And uh, if we have time, we'll try to go over a few of the free agents that haven't signed new deals yet. So what are your thoughts so far, Los? Well, uh, let's just get a couple of these out of the way. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant. Uh, we're both franchise tagged, as expected, by each of their teams. Um, there's not really much to say about either of them because they're stars in the league and they're going to be drafted as number one wideouts in every fantasy league you or I will ever see. Um, Broncos and Cowboys could still sign each of them to long-term deals this summer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we really need to spend much time talking about them. I'm pretty sure that most people still have them in the wide receiver one tier. Uh, no one's really too worried about their fantasy value. So, a uh, quick shout out to uh, the page I'm looking at right now while we're recording this. Uh, Roto World has a great site page de dedicated to updates on all the different free agent signings. So, if you're trying to keep up to date um, and you're getting too much activity in your Twitter feed, you can always go there. So, anyway, looking at the list, who do you want to start with? Um, I think it'd be a good idea to start with what I think might be the biggest move of the day. Certainly, uh, the biggest move from a possible fantasy perspective, a guy that a lot of people looked at in the first round um, each of the last four or five years, uh, Jimmy Graham getting shipped over to uh, Seattle. Yeah, that's uh, that was definitely a big shock this afternoon. Yeah, I was shocked to see it. You know, I pulled up my Twitter, saw, saw what Shefty had to say. Jimmy Graham shipped over for a first rounder and uh, the Seattle center, Max Unger, um, how do you think this is going to affect the Saints? Uh, it's, I think this might be a really big blow, losing one of their top, top flight, for all intents and purposes, receivers. Well, I actually like this a lot for Mark Ingram's fantasy value. I think hmm. what Sean Payton and them are trying to do is go more to the run game because clearly with the signing of Unger as part of that deal, they're looking to bolster the interior of that line, give Breeze some help. And I wouldn't I wouldn't count Breeze out just yet, but he's definitely getting older. And I think they want to rely a little bit more on the ground game rather than Breeze throwing it all the time. Sure. And the other thing with Ingram, as we talked about last episode, he's, he's shown that he can catch the ball too. So it, it, Breeze will still have options to throw the ball to. Cooks should take another, take another step forward. Well, we're always talking about uh, young receivers, second-year receivers taking that next step to be the next big thing. Cooks, I think, is a great uh, candidate to do that. And even though people might not think of Colston uh, on the other side, he's aging. They asked him to take a pay cut this year. He still had over 900 yards uh, receiving last year. 
So Breeze, Breeze is far from finished uh, just because he lost Jimmy Graham. He's lost a huge target, but he's still got a lot of weapons. Well, you know, this is this is an interesting uh, potential for Josh Hill, the second string tight end yeah. in New Orleans. Uh, but I think more so, this gives uh, Stills and Cooks a pretty big bump because Graham was by far the number one target. And I think that both of them are going to get a few more targets spread around now that he's gone. Yeah, Graham had 25 more targets than uh, than the number two. In terms of Breeze, though, I, I really wouldn't drop him too much. I don't think he was a top-tier quarterback anyway at this point, but I think he's definitely still a, a pretty pretty solid mid-tier quarterback one. I'm not too worried about Breeze. No, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dropping him in my thoughts, thoughts or prayers really at all. Um, you know, if, if anything, speaking of quarterbacks real quick, I think that this rockets Russell Wilson up. Uh, he was already doing spectacular last season. And me personally, now that he has Jimmy Graham to throw to, I have Russell Wilson as my third ranked quarterback for 2015 and in Dynasty. And I think that he's actually now at the lower part of that first tier, along with Rodgers and Luck. What do you think about that? Yeah, all depending on how your uh, your league does their stats. Because um, with Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham's head is in, has his has his injury concerns, but if he can stay healthy, he's he's one of the best targets to throw to in the middle of the field in the league. You mix that with Russell Wilson's. Uh, rushing numbers that he puts up i i can't i find it very hard to disagree with you putting him that much further down the line after i assume you're talking about rogers and luck at one and two yeah i think that wilson uh his ability to scramble is going to help jimmy graham get open and in turn yeah. for wilson jimmy graham is by far the best receiving weapon he's ever had oh yeah easily all right um anything else you want to talk about in terms of graham yeah, I did actually. I wanted to talk a little more about uh, Russell Williams. Wil- Russell Wilson's. Williams. Russell Williams. Yeah, the uh, Canadian pop sensation. No, Russell Wilson's um, uh, throwing capabilities, their throwing uh, desire to the tight end. So last year he had Luke Wilson, Cooper Helfit, Tony Muyaki, and Zach Miller. Half of which, if not more, I don't think are on the team anymore. Um, but to them each, he combined for about 50 target, uh, 50 catches on 85 targets, um, 760 yards to each of them combined, which ranks 10th in the league in terms of um, uh, receiving tight ends. If you were to combine them all into one man, and six total are receiving receiving touchdowns for each of them, which is actually seventh in the league. So Wilson really would love to throw to a tight end, and now he's got a great one to throw to. Sure, I think uh, I read an interesting uh, stat earlier today in the wake of this trade where the Seahawks didn't target their tight ends once during the Super Bowl. And wow. I think that wouldn't, that, that's just completely insane. Yeah, that's telling. But uh, in, terms of, in terms of the tight end position, though, there's really, it's really Gronk and everybody else at this point because yeah. while I still have Graham as the number two tight end, I think, I think there's a clear separation between him and Gronkowski at this point. I agree. I think the uh, separation is even bigger. I think Graham's value actually drops a little moving from Brazen going to Russell Wilson. Well, looking, looking at, uh, let's talk about Dynasty real quick for just one second. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the Dynasty ADPs, Grams has actually fallen quite a bit to the point where Travis Kelsey is barely just behind him. Um, Can't argue but, with that. 
I mean, Graham, Graham's not that old though. And like I said, he's still the tight end too for me. I just, I just think that Gronk is far and away way above everybody else, assuming that he stays healthy, of course. And that's the question with basically all of these tight ends. Um, you can make any of them far and away number one. If we're talking about last year in the preseason, Graham was still far and away the number one because Gronk had so many injury questions. Uh, so if Graham can stay healthy, I, I actually still think that, that he's not that far from Gronk because I'm still more concerned about Gronk's injury history than Jimmy Graham's as much as I do love the Gronk. But that's just uh, it's just the same story for all these top tight ends. Jordan Cameron has significant concussion concerns. Um, Julius Thomas has had has been hurt for every season um, except for the one two years ago. So I think it's just part of the landscape in the uh, top tight end territory. Well, I think just in general, defenders have realized, whether it's linebackers, safeties over the top, that the only way you can take down these big, fast guys is to hit them low. And unfortunately, that's a dangerous place to hit them. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, let's talk about... Oh, you know what? I just got a notification on my phone that Uh Darrell Rivas is signing with the New York Jets. Wow. Back in in New York. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll be interesting, but I can't say I blame him. I'm sure they offered him more money than the Patriots did, and he's got his ring now. So what does he care? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what uh, what New York ends up paying him because I think it was twenty million that the Patriots decided not to pay him. I don't know if the Jets would pay him more than that. I'm just curious to see when these numbers come out. I'm sure it's not as front loaded, but uh, I'm sure he's making a pretty penny. But let's let's get back to a tight yeah back, back on topic. Um. I'd say another big tight end signing was Julius Thomas going to Jacksonville. Of course. Everybody had him as the number three tight end, and I think that's definitely changed at this point. Yeah, top tight end um, free agent that uh, was here in the offseason. But you you sent him out to Jacksonville. I I can't see anything but his stock completely plummeting. Well, I I don't know about that. I I don't agree that it's completely plummeted because... Part of his production was definitely the touchdowns as part of the Peyton effect. But I think that while Julius Thomas isn't going to score as much, he might actually be utilized more between the 20s. Because, but this, but this is ahead. a tight end that was drafted in the lot of leagues, second round, high third round. You, you see any way that anyone touches him, second, third, second high third? Sitting no, there in Jacksonville? no de- definitely not. Definitely not. Um, he's not going to come anywhere near to the 12 touchdowns that he had last season yeah. in 2013. But look at look at his receiving yards. He had 788 receiving yards in 2013, and he had under 500 receiving yards last year. Yeah. He's, he's mainly a red zone target in Denver, whereas in Jacksonville, Bortles may very well use him as a safety blanket over the middle. You know, he doesn't have Demarius and Sanders and C.J. Anderson. No, he doesn't have those, but he does have a good good crop of young wide receiver talent. So um, they could come up together. They could make something happen down in Jacksonville. I'd just like to see a little more out of Bortles before I put any faith down in um, drafting any of those players, really. Sure, I, I think part of it is about Bortles, but one, I think this raises Blake Bortles' stock. I'd, I'd be buying him in Dynasty, and I think of the rookies, he's now only behind Bridgewater. I would rather have Bortles than Derek Carr, I think, as of this point. Um, but in general, I think it's so hard to say which wide receiver in Jacksonville is going to break out 
And Julius Thomas is definitely an experienced guy, a big target, and I think that Bortles is going to gravitate towards him real quick. I'll agree. He's the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, and he'll definitely be fantasy relevant, though not as good as uh, last year or the year before, I don't think. But um, Well, you- just shot, shot in the dark, where, where do you think, as of right now, you would rank Julius Thomas as a tight end? He's still a top 10 tight end just because of his raw talent. Um, his injuries worry me, but he's, he is a top 10 tight end. He would start in, t- in any 10-team league. Well, let me uh, let me run through the the top tight ends last year, and let's let's take a look at yeah, let's who we would rather have sure. over him. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. This could be fun. All right, so looking at 2014, let's just go PPR. That's what I'm pulling up real quick. Yeah. So. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski. I don't think you're going to take him over nope. over the Gronk. No, not me. And Jimmy Graham. Nope. Antonio Gates. No. Really, I think I, I actually disagree on that one. Okay. I don't think Gates is going to repeat his performance of a of a top four tight end. I don't think he'll repeat, three. but I trust Rivers and Gates with Lardarius Green showing us that he's not stepping up and taking Gates's job away from him anytime soon over the connection of Bortles and uh, that offense getting downfield enough to make uh, Julius Thomas better than Gates. That's fair. All right, what about uh, our own Martellus Bennett, the black unicorn? No, I I think he's way undervalued in so many leagues, and I don't understand why people don't give him the credit he deserves. Well, unfortunately, he's not undervalued in any of the leagues we play together because we're from Chicago. (laughs) Well, of course, of course. All right, uh, Greg Olson. I'd take Greg Olson. Okay, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Now you're pulling at my heartstrings here because I might I might just like Kelsey way too much because he gives me gives me you know visions of Gronk 2.0. But uh, and that's why I own both him and Gronk in our dynasty league. Yeah, I know, and it doesn't make me happy at all. <laughs> yep, yeah, and that you did. Um, yes, I would take Kelsey this year now. Okay, uh, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker is a name that, that we need to talk more about in, in a later episode because uh, he does not get the respect he deserves. I think Delaney Walker, I would take over Julius Thomas. Okay. So that's seven so far. Okay. Kobe Fleener? No. Julius Thomas. Okay. So you have him about the tight end eight range. Who's right after Kobe Flaner, though? And, and the reason I say no to Kobe Flaner is because I think Dwayne Allen's going to uh, bite into more of uh, Flaner's value. J- Allen was hurt for a good portion of last year. Okay, so Kobe Flaner was tight end number eight last year. So okay. you have Julius at eight. And actually, Julius Thomas was tight end number nine. Okay. Um, despite only playing 13 games. Right, wow. So, all right. So I, I think I agree with that general range. I think personally... I might take him over Delaney Walker, uh, okay. depending on the situation. I understand that Walker is undervalued, but... I mean, let's see who the quarterback in Tennessee is anyways. Well, it's not going to be Jake Locker because he <laughs> no. announced his retirement today, but yep. I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what Zach Mettenberger, ah, Mettenberger has in stock for us. I, oh. I think he's an, an interesting guy. Only the preseason can tell. Because where, where did he go? LSU? Is that right? 
I, I don't know. I did not follow the illustrious career of, our, of a one Zach Mettenberger very closely. Uh, no? no, no, not a not a Zach Mettenberger fan. No, I, I can't tell you that answer. Yeah, I think I think he went to LSU, and I, I'm pretty sure he was a later round pick though because of his injury coming into the draft. Okay. So we'll see. Maybe Jake Locker 2.0. Maybe not. Yeah, let's hope not for him. All right. Um, okay, well, let's move on to the team that Julius Thomas left, yep. Denver. So Denver re-signed Virgil Green, and they signed Owen Daniels to a one-year deal. Sure. What do you think about that? Owen Daniels just, just loves himself some Gary Kubiak. That's what I think yeah, about that. He does. But hey, why, <laughs> why fix something that ain't broke, right? That's, right? that's right. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And he's, he's had, I mean, he's a, had a very good career, and he's making a lot of money with the guy. So if it works, it works. Um, in terms of them losing uh, Julius Thomas, I think that Peyton Manning's still, still going to find success. Virgil Green is a very athletic back. Um, if Thomas was still there, then Green, of course, would remain mostly as a blocking back or number two option in terms of tight end. Obviously, he'd be the number five or six option in the illustrious Denver Broncos offense. Um, but just to look at it, yeah, Green, Green had 74 yards on six catches on six targets, so he hasn't done anything wrong yet. He's got a touchdown. You know, I'm, I'm much more excited about Owen Daniels than Virgil Green. I think that Denver bringing back Green is more for his blocking abilities. I believe Pro Football Focus had him rated as the fourth best run blocking tight end in the league last year. That'll keep your job for you. He can he can definitely catch the ball too, but I think that's that's way secondary to what they want to do. And, you know, same with Breeze, really. Put it more on C.J. Anderson's back. Let them run some clock and don't don't rely on Peyton. Sure, sure. And last year, to, to speak to Owen Daniels, he accrued a fourteen point two. I did I did a little month, uh, a little math for myself. Uh, Seventy nine targets of the five hundred and fifty four Flacco through last year uh, went to Owen Daniels, which is fourteen fifteen percent of the of the targets. So sticking with Kubiak seemed to work for him. I mean, Kubiak like likes getting him the ball. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that. I don't think that Owen Daniels and Virgil Green are going to do nearly what Julius Thomas did. I think that Peyton's going to rely a little bit more on uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of Cody Ladmer too. But at the same time, I'm really excited about Owen Daniels leaving just because, you know, what does this mean for Baltimore? I think that Dennis Pitt has always been solid, but I just don't know if he can stay healthy. I'm actually pretty excited about a young guy there. Uh, Crockett Gilmore, he actually had a catch or two in that game against the Patriots in the playoffs, and I think he showed that he's he's able to come through in those clutch moments. Anytime you can find a young guy that can come through, you give him a shot, see what you can get out of him. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, all right, anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of the Denver tight ends? Uh, no, J just that, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a hit on Peyton. I think they're, they're going to be a-okay. They'll, they'll throw to the tight end less, but just like you said, it's time for Cody Lattimore, young boy Cody, to step up. Sorry, so let's move on. What do you think about Charles Clay down in Miami? He got transition tagged, and uh, you know what? Actually, uh, we just got some news that Roy Hallou is going to the Oakland Raiders. Real-time updates. Going on here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hallou's to the Raiders? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I know uh, any of our listeners from last episode might remember how I gushed over uh, Latavius Murray. So that's interesting. Uh, we'll have to 
figure out how that's going to affect his value uh, when we talk a little more about running backs again. You know, I'm actually not terribly worried about Latavius Murray. Um, obviously, things are a little bit different now with the new coaching staff, but they never seem to really do much with Marcel Reese, who I thought was a great receiving back. So I, I, this really actually kind of surprises me that they would sign Halu. See, I, I actually think that's a, it's going to be a good thing for Murray. I'm not worried about Latavius Murray losing touches or anything. Um, in PPR leagues, uh, Halu's been sneaky good in deeper PPR leagues. I think he could fill a role like that in Oakland quite well. Take a little bit of the, uh, uh, take a little bit about of the, uh, pressure off Latavius's shoulders and catch some balls out of the backfield and make some magic happen. Not to mention stealing some goal line carries. I remember there were a few games when I owned Alfred Morris at one point and Halu just came in and vultured a couple touchdowns and I was livid. So I think Halu's going to be very interesting in Oakland. Yeah, but e- even with that said, regardless, Al Morris has still maintained his value each of the years with Halu down there. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. That's why I said I'm not too worried about Murray, but I yeah. think that Halu's definitely very interesting there. Yeah, no, that's nice. I mean, what are they going to do? Use Darren McFadden? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. All right, all right. Let's go back to tight ends real quick. So Charles, Charles Clay, Clay, right? Go ahead. Transition tagged, mm-hmm. but reportedly Buffalo is making him a pretty solid offer, something that he might not be able to turn down. What do you think about this? Well, he might not get a chance to turn it down. If, if they beat Miami's offer, then Miami get a, gets a chance to match it with the transition tag, I believe. Um, so I still think all things cons- all things uh, together, he's probably going to stay with Miami. Um, really, I do. Uh, in terms of Miami's offense, uh, receiving offense at least, they've got those questions with Mike Wallace. They let Brian Hartline go. Jarvis Landry needs to take a step up, and I think Clay is a very talented tight end in this game that just needs uh, needs a chance, uh, some more time to shine, and he he could be you know top five type uh, tight end in this league. Really? Top five? I, I think so. I think on the brink of it. Now, of course, after your elites, the middle gets sort of muddled with, with a lot of very good tight ends, but I think he could emerge at, at the top end of the very, very good tight ends, like like near Greg Olson. I don't know about that. I, I think he's a, he's a barely top ten guy for me. Really? I, I think he's got the potential, but I don't think that Tannehill can maximize his potential because... It's the same reason why Wallace hasn't done anything in Miami because while Charles Clay might get those targets over the middle or those short touchdown passes, Tannehill can't target him well downfield. And that that's part of the reasons that's one of the reasons that, you know, Gronk, Graham, and Olsen are all are, are all such high producers because they do get those deeper targets. I guess so, but out of all the free agent tight ends this year at least, including Jordan Cameron, including Julius Thomas. Charles Clay at the most yardage, 605 yards. I, you see, I, I understand that, but I think this is one of those instances where the statistics don't tell the full story. I just, when I watch Charles Clay's tape, I don't see anything that pops off the page to me. I don't think he's one of those difference makers. I think he's a move the chains guy and score a few touchdowns here and there. Yeah, well, I guess you, you win fantasy by moving chains and scoring touchdowns, though, don't you? I guess more so in PPR than standard, but uh, I think I think obviously one guy that takes a hit. I know a few dynasty owners were were pretty excited about Deion Sims. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's yeah. not going to get his chance if Clay stays. Um, but if he does go to Buffalo, 
he would easily, I think, oust Scott Chandler as the starter. I don't know if Chandler's even still. Um, what what does his contract go through? Do you know offhand? I don't know offhand. Um, let me see if I made note. No, I didn't make note of that. But even if he does end up in Buffalo, um, actually, you know, I just looked it up. Uh, Scott Chandler is signed through twenty fifteen, but okay. I think that if Clay were to go to the Bills, he would definitely be the starter over Chandler. Would you agree with that? Yeah, over Chandler, I think he he would definitely be the starter. And maybe Rex Ryan can, and his offensive staff can make something happen with him. Well, I think part of it is Clay is a really good run blocker, too. So that helps in terms of the, the vision that they have for that offense. Blocking the run keeps you on the field. <laughs> well said. All right. Um, anything else about Charles Clay? No, that's about it, I think. All right, uh, let's talk about another guy then, Niles Paul. He recently re-signed a three-year, $10 million deal with the Washington Redskins. Now, Jordan Reed is still on the team, but the question for me is, can Jordan Reed actually stay healthy? Yeah, I don't know. He he hasn't shown that he can very well, has he? No, and you know, Niles Paul did a really good job when Reed was out last season. Granted, part of that was due to Kirk Cousins stepping in. It seemed like Cousins targeted Paul a bit more than RG3 did. Sure. But regardless, I think that Paul would be a great fill-in if Reed were to miss any more time this year, and I would bet money that he would. I agree. I think the Redskins want Reed to be their their great tight end going forward. Um, people have spoken about him as a different difference maker. You know, one of those quote unquote elite tight ends. He hasn't shown it to me yet. And when he's been hurt, just like you said, Reed. Uh, sorry, Paul stepped in, started seven games last year when Reed was hurt, and he ended up with the third most teams, uh, third most receiving yards on the whole team behind, of course, uh, Jackson and Garcon. Oh, I actually did not know that. But yep. then again, it doesn't shock me too much as no. Washington was in complete shambles last season. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a pretty thing. All right, uh, one last quick note. I don't think we need to touch on this too much, but uh, there have been reports that Jermaine Gresham has been visiting with the Oakland Raiders. There hasn't been any deal signed yet, but <laughs> obviously if that happens, then Michael Rivera takes quite a hit. Yeah, he would take a hit. Um, I wouldn't make too much of it just yet. People visit people all the time. It's free agency period, and everybody that's tweeting, writing, is going to make a story out of everything they can. Um, until until I see a contract, I'm not worried about thinking about Michael Rivera taking a hit just yet. I sure. do I do think that Gresham's probably done um, with the Bengals, though, uh, which is good for Tyler Eifert. Uh, what do you think about Tyler Eifert? I think he looked. I think he uh, is a guy that. Needs to get the ball more. Needs Graham to get out of his way so we can actually see what's going what's gonna to go for this guy because he was great in college. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Eifert's actually one of two young tight ends that I'm really excited about for next year. The other one being Austin Safarian Jenkins. I think that a lot of people don't realize that it's so difficult for rookie tight ends to really produce and they give up after them. I'm sorry, they give up on them after, you know, one or two years when really it takes a lot to get acclimated to the league. Sure. Sure. You've got to let your quarterback get acclimated too. And he did, who was his quarterback last year? Andy Dalton. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Safarian Jenkins. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, I mean, Josh McCowan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
who I'm also undecided on, but we'll we'll get to him a little a little bit later in the show. Oh, I'm more than decided on him, but yeah, we'll talk about him later. All right, well, let's move on to wide receivers then, shall we? Yeah, I think we've uh, talked everyone's ear off about tight ends. Let's uh, let's talk some uh, some impact wideouts. All right, well, well, we'll start with the older guys who sure. either resigned or have gotten released. Uh, first things first, Larry Fitzgerald signed a two-year extension to stay with the Cardinals in Arizona. He was due to make about sixteen million in in twenty fifteen, um, and he had a huge cap fit for cap hit for this year. So this frees up a little bit of cap space for them to play around with. There are rumors that they're interested in DeMarco Murray and Adrian Peterson. And obviously, if Carson Palmer returns healthy, they have a real shot at a Super Bowl, assuming that defense can keep it together. Yeah, I think it was a great re-sign. Um, it was good of him to uh, take a little less money, stick with the team that he's been with forever. I always like to see guys do that. I don't like seeing him make less money, but like seeing him stick with the team, especially when they're not producing quite as much as they once were. Um, in terms of fantasy, I don't really see his uh, his value changing that much from last year. I think he's going to be a veteran presence on the team. He's going to get a bunch of targets because he is the veteran there. Um, you still got Michael Floyd and um, what's the other guy's name? Sorry. Uh, well, there's two J Browns. There's John Brown and Jerron Brown. That's right. Okay. Yeah. J Brown. That's why I combined them into one. I'll um, just go with J Brown from here on out. We'll go with J Brown. We'll yeah. lump them together. That's a, that sounds perfect. But last year, Fitz had about a hundred targets. Um, he picked up about uh, 500. Oh no. Yeah, he had about 100 targets, so that accrued uh, about 18% of the targets from the quarterbacks last year. And a better thing is that, well, hopefully for them, is that uh, they'll have a single quarterback for the whole year. Maybe Palmer can stay healthy or something. Right, well, I actually disagreed with what you said, that Fitzgerald would produce about the same that he did last year. I actually think he'll improve on his stats a little bit. Really? I mean, Carson Palmer played, let me see real quick, how many games was it? He only played six games last year. Yeah. So more often than not, Larry Fitzgerald was catching to, or was trying to catch balls from Drew Stanton and Ryan Lindley. Yeah. That's not exactly great for his production. I think that if, if, and it's a big if, Palmer can stay healthy, then Fitzgerald could be a wide receiver too. He, he, he was high. just shy of 800 yards last year. And part of it was he only caught two touchdowns. In 2013, he caught 10. Part of it is Michael Floyd's emergence, but I think another big part of it was the lack of the quality of the targets that he was getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was getting a lot of targets that were going nowhere, and they were throwing the ball all, all over the yard. Uh, John Brown also had the exact same number of targets as Fitz, 103 targets. He only managed to catch 48 of those. So if Palmer stays on the field, he's a better he's a better he's a better field general, of course, than Lindley, Logan Thomas, Drew Stanton um, could ever hope to be. Probably, uh, he'll know where to put the thing. Sure, definitely. Well, let's talk about another older wide receiver. Um, Indiana made it clear that they are not going to re-sign Reggie Wayne. Yep. Now, Wayne is 36 years old. At this point, do you think that he's going to just retire and call it a day, or do you think he's going to try and sign with another team? I think he's still got a little fuel left in the tank. Um, he's, of course, declined year after year. He's got to recover for that from that, uh, I believe it was a tricep tear that he suffered late in the year last year. But if you get him on like a on a team with a lot of young 
wideouts where he could mentor, maybe you know, drop a little some tricks of the trade. I mean, Wayne is one of the one of the best wideouts in recent memory to play the game. Well, sure, he's he's good veteran leadership, but do you think he's actually going to produce in fantasy? No, not fantasy. I don't think he has any fantasy uh, uh, value. So I, I do think he'll get on a team. He might be able to help out, you know, from a, from a player coach perspective. But you're right. We're talking about fantasy. No, I, I wouldn't draft him anywhere. Okay. Well, obviously, this is a great opportunity for Dante Moncrief, Deron Carter, and both tight ends, Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener. Mm-hmm. The, the only reason I hesitate to really jump on the Dante Moncrief or Deron Carter bandwagon is because of the the news that yeah. uh, that Andre Johnson was in. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, throw, throw some throw some you guys back together in in Indianapolis, make some mag- make some magic happen. That that could be the formula, you know. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although to to be completely honest though, they're they're upgrading from a a 36-year-old wide receiver to a 30 how old is andre johnson i think 32 all right so not not that old but again i think he's on the decline and they they've got a couple years they've got a couple years to really push for it if they do sign andre johnson to go along with frank gore now the other thing is with andre johnson gone for sure from houston Honestly, I, I already like DeAndre Hopkins quite a bit. I think he's a, a really solid wide receiver, too. I hesitate to put him in that top tier or top two tiers just yet, but I think he's a, about a top 15 wideout. Would you agree with that? Somewhere in that range, yeah. All right. So I guess, really, I don't see his production changing that much from last year. He was already the de facto number one wide receiver on that team, even with Andre Johnson there. The question now is who's going to be that number two wide out in Houston? Right. That's a great question. I agree. I don't really see his value changing much. Um, you could make the argument that uh, teams were had to worry about Andre Johnson before, and they don't now, so they might put a little more emphasis on stopping DeAndre Hopkins. But I really don't think the offense changes much because they still have to worry about more worry more about Arian Foster than they ever had to worry about um, Andre anyways. Sure, that's true. And I think that while they have some talent with Damaris Johnson, you know, he's a smaller guy who, mm-hmm. who he's a speedster, sort of like T.Y. Hilton. I think he's 5'10", 5'11", and he ran a 4'4'6 at the Combine. And he didn't do a whole lot last year, but he could be a good speedster complement to the big-bodied Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, that that could be the case, but... I mean, if you put Andrew, if you give him Andrew Luck, he might look like a T.Y. Hilton. Instead, you've got is it Ryan Mallett? Is it Matt uh, Sharp? It Who, who's going to be over Hoyer. there? It yeah, could Brian, be Ryan Hoyer. <laughs> exactly. I mean, can, can he hit him downfield? Is a speedster really viable as an option if you can't hit the guy? I mean, you know, open to debate. That's that's a fair point. Plus, I think that they will either draft another wide receiver or they'll sign somebody. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable thought as well. All right, let's let's talk about kind of a a painful topic. Oh no, I know where we're going. Brandon Marshall was traded to the New York Jets. Yeah, uh, I believe for, was it a fifth round pick? The end of an era. Yeah, they 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 received a fifth round pick, and they will also be sending uh, the Jets a seventh round pick. 
Well, somewhere, somewhere in the city, Jay Cutler is silently sobbing into Kristen yep. Cavallari's snuggie. Yeah, that's that's not a bad place to be, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't feel sorry for Jay Cutler that that much. <laughs> yeah, to, and in all truth, from what we've seen of Jay, I he he might not even know or care. He's probably just you know smoking. S- smoke. That's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. Yeah, <sighs> but th- this this hurt when I saw it because. I had a feeling he might be gone, and now he is. Right. Well, fantasy-wise, I actually am not that worried about Brandon Marshall because he's done an amazing job of producing regardless of where he's been. This is true. Brandon Marshall, until up until last year when he missed three games, he had not failed to break 100 yards receiving since 2007. Wow. And that includes with guys like Tim Tebow in Denver. <laughs> yeah. And that includes with guys throwing him the ball like Matt Moore. Wow, gosh. And that... I think in 2010-2011, he had Chad Henney as well. Oh, gosh. And he still managed to get, in those two years, Brandon Marshall had about 2,800 yards receiving and, tw- and no, I'm sorry, 2,200 yards receiving and nine touchdowns in those two years. Wow, now we're digging deep. As a, jet, as a jet, regardless of whether it's Geno Smith or somebody else. Geno Smith's looking nice now, isn't he? Uh, you know, he is He is interesting, but we'll, I don't really want to talk about Geno Smith right now. Let's. Uh, it's depressing enough talking about Marshall leaving Chicago, even That's though it true. makes sense in a lot of ways. Right. So let's you know, talk I, about Chicago first. Um, okay. How do you think their offense is going to be affected from a fantasy perspective by Marshall leaving? I'm not too worried because John Fox and Adam Gase, they know what they're doing. Adam Gase was actually Marshall's wide receiver coach back in Denver. So obviously if they decide to release him, Gase knows what he wants to do with that offense. And sure. Alshon Jeffrey is essentially a younger, slightly faster version of Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. And Austin's big physical guy. I, and I like him. Liked him when we got him. Yeah, and Cutler already has another big target to throw to in Martellus Bennett. Mm -hmm. Marcus Wilson is a couple inches shorter, but he's got good athletic ability. Even though we'll sign somebody else, I think Wilson will be a solid number two or number three wideout. I don't think he's going to be amazing fantasy-wise, but I think he's going to help move the chains. I think he's an interesting guy to look at from a fantasy perspective. In those games last year when Marshall and uh, Elshon couldn't make it onto the field, Wilson had some decent numbers. He didn't light up the scoreboard or anything, but he was workable as a starter. Well, you might be a little more uh, invested in him as you own him in our Dynasty League. That's true. So uh, maybe, maybe that's just the hope and dreams uh, talking for me. Who knows? The optimism of an owner. That's right. The owner's optimism. We all fall victim to it. Uh, but I don't. I, I actually don't think that this hurts Marshall for another reason. I think his value was going to be down this year as it is as they moved off of a passing first offense onto this John Fox uh, onto this John Fox run, probably uh, run based team. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, wouldn't that also wouldn't that temper your expectations for Marcus Wilson as well? It would. Yeah, it, it would. I'm just saying he he'd be a workable starter and i don't know that the drop off from mark i mean it's a huge drop off going from brandon marshall to marquez wilson don't get me wrong brandon marshall is my favorite bear as soon as he signed with the bears really 
he he was yeah that, that that he was all right well you know you always knew that forte was my guy yeah forte forte's your guy and it, i'm sure it was nice uh for you seeing him him catch 100 balls last year but those days are long gone when when uh Trustman left hey it worked out well when i drafted forte second overall but we won't uh <sighs> yeah that did work out uh, congratulations on my laurels on no. to, on, as bill belichick would say on to next year on to next year that's right as chicago fans we also always say on to next year <laughs> Yeah, about that. Yeah, but we're not talking baseball. Let's let's stick to football. Um, Elshon's value, I think, will be the exact same. Uh, Marquez Wilson could be a sleeper in some leagues, just depending how this offense turns out. I don't think Marshall takes a big hit moving from the Bears to the Jets because, A, the Bears are going to throw the ball less, and, B, the Jets might try and move to a more spread-based offense, get the ball in the air more, get get the ball to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Yeah, I think that... This actually helps both Decker and Marshall because, again, Geno Smith is going to have two very large targets to throw to, and mm-hmm. defenses are going to have trouble deciding who they want to focus on. Right. So, right. He fed the ball to Decker when he needed to in, uh, I think it was week 16 of last year, maybe week 15. He fed the ball to Decker, and he paid off. I wouldn't expect something like that every game, though. I think no, that no. was more the, the exception than the rule. I think... I think if you'll pardon the analogy, I would I would uh, equate this with side of a sort of a poor man's um, old school like Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald uh, when they were both on the Cardinals together. They would both they would both uh, be prone to big games, but you would never know which one. That's true. That's part of the dilemma. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to mention? Just that I think Gino, uh, I don't think he's a starter in a 12-team league just yet, but I think he's a hold. I think he's interesting uh, with this move. Oh, also, Percy Harvin's gone, so that frees up more balls for uh, for Decker and Marshall, too. Um, them losing Harvin, yeah, lo- losing Harvin, I wasn't too worried about him. I mean, he's an offensive threat. He's the kind of guy that you'd need to feed the ball and possibly overfeed the ball in, or- in order to make him um, worthwhile on your offense. But he can, I mean, he's one of those explosive players. He could go somewhere else and have a great career. Who knows? Okay, so I think we're in, a, we're in agreement when we say that Marshall's career hasn't completely spiraled downwards. No, no, I don't think his career's completely spiraled downwards would at you, all. Would you say that Marshall is a, is a decent wide receiver three to have next year? Yeah, high end, wide, high end three probably, if not a low end two, for me at least. Okay, yeah, I think I think I'm right around there with you. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a guy who I think his fantasy value has tanked, uh, and who I will personally be staying far, far away from in 2015. And that's, really? That's Jeremy Macklin. Really? Hmm. Ever since it announced, it was announced that he signed a multi-year deal with Kansas City. I want absolutely no shares of Jeremy Macklin. Not even in PPR. I think. If he falls far enough, I'll, I'll take him, but I don't think his ADP is going to be where I'm going to like it. Just right right off the bat, if you had to say right now, where would you rank Macklin in you know, terms I, of wide, I, wide receivers? I can't, I can't just give you a ballpark like that. Right, I'd, well, I'd actually okay. have to look at well, a list of wide receivers. Would you say wide receiver two range? Yeah, give me some examples of wide receiver twos. All right. Well, let's let's take a look at how wide receivers scored last year. Yeah. Now, just to start with, last season in 2014 in PPR, 
Jeremy Macklin was the number, let's see, three, four, five, six. The number nine wide receiver in PPR. Okay. So clearly you don't think he's going to repeat that, do you? No, there's no way he repeats that in Kansas City. His stock is down from last year, but not down as far as you're thinking, I don't think. All right, well, let's start with the number 20 wide receiver, and we'll work from there. Yeah, let's work our way up. All right, so number 20 last year was Roddy White. And just to put this in perspective, uh, in a PPR, he was ranked number nine with 85 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Okay. Okay. So number 20. Well, number 20 was Roddy White, but I don't think he's going to be at number 20. Yeah, that, so that, that's, a, I don't think that's, that's a tough a really sell at 20 player. right there. So what, who, was, who was 21? LaFell was 21. Yes, I'd take him over LaFell. 19. Okay, I agree with that, but also because I don't think Brandon LaFell is going to repeat that either. No, there, there's no way. Deshaun Jackson was 22. Really? Yeah, well, that's because of what happened in Washington last year. Um, gosh, it's really a shame that Deshaun Jackson isn't in Philadelphia for Deshaun Jackson himself. <sighs> All right, so AJ Green was number twenty-three. Uh, that was mostly wow. You're really giving me names here. Names. AJ Green, I'd obviously take over Jeremy Macklin. <laughs> right, okay, what about this what is about harder his, than I thought it'd be? What about his former teammate Jordan Matthews at twenty-four? Well, is Sam Bradford going to be starting for the Eagles next year or Mark Sanchez? <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we, see, there's so many questions to be answered right now. This is a very complicated game. See, I don't know how we're going to play this. Personally, I would put Macklin at right around where I'd put Brandon Marshall. Okay. Uh, maybe a little bit lower than Marshall. See, and I'd put him, I think, just a little bit higher in a PPR and a little lower in a standard league. I understand that he's still going to catch balls in Kansas City. He's the only wideout that ha- that can. I just Alex Smith is is he kills wide receiver value. They didn't score a single. No wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs scored a touchdown last I year. I am going to make a bold statement. The Kansas City wide receivers will score at least one touchdown okay, this year. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that bet because I think they will. Okay, but... Jeremy Macklin will score more than one touchdown this year. Okay, and that, and that's fine, but I don't think it's gonna be much higher than one. Not, okay, that might be reasonable. I can see Macklin. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put the number of touchdowns for Jeremy Macklin, and, and I want you to take the over under on this at three and a half. That's where I was going to set it to, actually. I will put it at the over, hoping for four or five. The thing about Jeremy Macklin is that he's the kind of receiver that that can thrive in a Smith-driven offense. Dwayne Bowe, no. Torrey Smith type type of whiteout, no. T.Y., uh, things like that, no. But Jeremy Macklin ranked six in yards after the catch with 490 yards last year. He's the kind of guy that can grab the ball and get downfield with the thing. So he he's the kind of receiver that that Smith needs. It's if Smith can get him the ball in mid and short range uh, passes, then he can then he can grab yardage with it. He's not they're not going to tell Macklin, hey, run deep and go grab this thing out of the air. I understand that, but while he's great at yards after the catch, and that's why I'm not completely writing him off as I would if Torrey Smith or someone like him had gone to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. 
so much of his production was also from the deep bombs that falls through. He's not going to have that production. And that tanks that I think that basically cuts Macklin's value in half. Half is a lot. That's a lot of value to cut. Well, when you think about it this way, if anything, they're going to keep keep leaning on Jamal Charles because that's what they're going to do. Of course. You don't you don't go away from Jamal Charles. No, of course not. And obviously, Travis Kelsey is going to get his share of targets. Sure, he's he's an up and comer, and clearly, I believe he led the league. I th- I think he led the team in targets last year, either that or yardage. Um, you know, I can't speak to that. I don't have those stats in front of me, but I I wouldn't be shocked. the 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 question for me is, even with okay, so basically, what you're saying is that Jeremy Macklin is going to be sort of a Jarvis Landry type, much better in PPR. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. The kind of guy that's going to get a lot of balls. Maybe an an Edelman type, a Landry type, things like that. Guys that are going to see a lot of balls, not score maybe a ton of touchdowns, but still be very much worth value. Okay, I don't, I don't know that I would put him up there with Julian Edelman, who was, I think, a top. No, no, that that type. A poor man's Julian Edelman. Is that a fair? Is that a fair shake for him? Okay, so like Eddie Royal. <laughs> no, that's like that's like a broke man's Julian Edelman. <laughs> All right, isn't that the same thing? Poor man's Julian Edelman, broke man's Julian oh, Edelman. Oh no, no, I'm poor, but I'm not broke. All right, all right. We'll we'll just dis- dispose of the semantics. Okay, <laughs> let's get let's get back to Macklin. So you're sure. saying he's a he's a high end wide receiver three for you? Yes, that's where I'd put him. High end wide three. Low in PPR. End. In PPR. No, low-end, yeah, high-end wide three in PPR, low-end wide three in standard. Okay, that's, I disagree, but I can understand the argument. Okay. We'll go with that. What would you call him? Unownable? No, not at all. I think Unownable if you want to win? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Let's, he's not, he's not in Trent Richardson territory just yet. Okay, but I, I would say that in standard, I have I have Macklin dropped all the way to a wide receiver five. That's wow. how low I have him. Okay, um, in PPR, I think I I'd, I'd be okay taking him as a wide receiver three, depending on what the rest the rest of my roster looked like and where he was going in the draft. Okay, I think for me, he's about wide receiver. Let's go twenty five, twenty eight. I was going to say about 30. 30? Okay. I think that I think that a lot of the rookies last year are going to really make a big jump, and that's going to push Macklin down a little bit more for me. Okay. Now, what about the rest of Kansas City? I, I'm intrigued by Albert, Albert Wilson. Um, I don't think that he's going to do a whole lot. Again, he's going to get a few of those underneath possessions. I don't think he's going to get any touchdowns, maybe one or two. Okay. Yeah, I agree. He's going to be an also also ran wide out in the league, um, kind of like the Seattle receivers. You know, maybe you can catch something from him. You know, every so often you get lucky starting him, but I wouldn't start him. That's that's just me. Yeah, I think I think the main three targets in the passing game are going to be Jamal Charles, Travis Kelsey, and Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. Anybody else is going to be a second thought. Um, another interesting guy is Demetrius Harris, the other tight end. Now that Fazano is gone, mm-hmm. 
he was another one of those basketball converts to tight end, and I think that he has a chance to grab a few touchdowns away from Kelsey. But again, he's he's a guy that I would look to plop on my roster in a deeper league or way at the end of a draft. But it's without question, if, the, if there is a chief you're owning on your team, other than Jamal Charles, of course, uh, you're owning Travis Kelsey, and, and that's, that's, that's your target. Yeah, it's Kelsey, not Macklin. Yeah, Kel- I, I agree. Kel- Kelsey, not Macklin, if we're talking just just Chiefs. And I, I've got the stats here. Kelsey himself uh, had 60, led the team, and this is led the team with 67 catches and led the team with 862 yards and tied for first on the team with five touchdowns. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not surprised by that. I I have in terms of dynasty, I have Travis Kelsey as my number three tight end. After Gronk and Graham, and who's four? Um, I think it would be Greg Olson right now. I think that yeah, Greg I can't Olson argue with that. Is I would I would put Kelsey the up there too because he has, he hasn't shown that he has the uh, he hasn't shown yet, of course, that he has the. Uh, huge injury concerns he was healthy last year he was hurt two years ago of course but he, he right he basically redshirted in his rookie year yeah he, he wasn't going to put up huge production that year regardless the only other tight end that i would really consider in the running even at top five uh you want to take a take a quick guess at who that might be Well, it's somebody we already talked about in the tight end segment, obviously, right? Yeah, I actually, you know what? I'll save you the trouble. Yeah, I save actually you the trouble. Really, I really like Austin Safarian Jenkins. Really? Okay, that's Especially, not a name I was trying to pull out. Well, think about it this way. Look at what Martellus Bennett did this year sure. when the defense had to focus on Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. Sure. Now, assuming that Tampa Bay takes Jameis Winston number one overall, mm-hmm. Winston is going to have to work with Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. Those are three massive targets for him. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of jump ball games for him. Assuming that Winston assuming that the Bucks take Winston and that he can progress as we think he can in terms of talent, I think that Safarian Jenkins could be a top five tight end as soon as this year or next. Wow. That's a bold statement. Uh, I get, I can see where your, uh, where your optimism is coming from, but I've just seen so many times where young tight ends come up with, uh, young quarterbacks and, and the, the cliche is that, uh, the best friend of a, of a young quarterback is his tight end. He's a safety valve. He's his go-to, but I, I actually think the running back is more so becoming that in today's league. I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys like Jason Morrow and Matt and uh, Matt, Mark Sanchez not connect as a, just for an example of a young tight end, uh, quarterback tandem. It's just happened so many times in my, in my experience playing fantasy that I'm not near as, uh, excited as you are or, uh, optimistic about ASJ. But I wouldn't be shocked by anything. Okay. All right. That's fair. Sure. All right. All right let's let's move on. Uh, I think we're going to try to cover a few more wide receivers before we call this. Okay. Um, let's talk about Randall Cobb real quick. I don't think we need to spend too much time on him. He re-signed a four-year, $40 million deal with Green Bay. You know, he's still with Rodgers, Jordy, Devontae Adams. I think that Cobb is going to be perfect. I think he's going to be a low-end wide receiver one basically the exact same as last year yeah Cobb's value doesn't change for me at all uh green bay did the smart thing with bringing him back the guy is a a great multi-catch receiver if you get the ball in his hands he can he can run with it 
Um, having him as a as as the two with Jordy Jordy Nelson provides a very high powered offense, um, and it, and it's great for Green Bay. Hurrah for them! I'm very happy. Yeah, the only the only ones that aren't really happy about Cobb resigning with Green Bay are all the the dynasty owners for Devontae Adams. See, and the thing about Devontae Adams, which, which is which is interesting, uh, the Packers also the Packers cut Jared Boykin. So Devontae Adams steps right into the, the wide receiver three role um, unquestioned. And in deeper leaves, dynasty leagues, uh, Devontae Adams, I still think, is a, is a necessary hold. You talk about um, running backs when you talk about the handcuff, handcuff uh, thought in fantasy a lot. I think Devontae is, is a top wide receiver handcuff. So you're saying, in, so in redraft, let's talk about Devontae Adams. What, okay. what round... What round would you target Devontae Adams first if oh, you I can't, don't own yeah. Cobb or Nelson, and second if you do own one of those guys? Oh, I, I don't know that I can talk to that. I can speak to that. I mean, it, it would be a later round. Um, really depends on what sort of values you have in your league on, on receiving touchdowns versus how many receivers you're starting just in your a, league. Just a standard league. Just a standard 10-team, not PPR league? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a later round. It's after you have your team set. It's it's not it's not like a running back handcuff where you're going to jump up and, and grab him like you're going to grab Niall Davis if you own Jamal Charles. You know things See, like I that. Actually, I completely disagree right there. Really? I think he's a. I think a guy like Devonte Adams is exactly like a Niall Davis to a Jamal Charles owner because look at what Golden Tate was able to do when Calvin Johnson was out, and I think that if Nelson or Cobb gets hurt next year. That Devonte Adams is going to step right in and take all that production. I think that if you if you were drafting Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb in the early rounds, I think I would reach for Devonte Adams as early as say round eight. Wow, that early you think? See, and and it's an interesting point because it's not something that I've seen written really anywhere maybe you have um i haven't seen it really written anywhere trying a strategy of handcuffing wide receivers it sounds ludicrous because you handcuff running backs that's just what the way the league is right but i i i don't think that's the way that fantasy is going to be going forward i think we're going to be handcuffing these these high-end top flight receivers on teams that have great backups Devonte adams is a good enough talent that he he might be a wide out too on on many other teams that don't already have Calvin nelson well, my argument is look at what Jared Boykin was able to do that year um, when Rodgers went down. And, yeah. and I think Cobb was hurt that year, too, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared Boykin, uh, I think it was two years ago, if not if not three, that Jared Boykin uh, put together very solid numbers when he needed to step up. He was, uh, he was a pretty solid wide receiver three for a stretch there, even low end wide receiver two. Yep. There, there was a stretch of a few weeks where he, I had picked him up, and he was winning games for me. Yep. So I, I think, if anything, that owners should handcuff wide receivers, and we'll, we'll definitely get into that as we get closer to the actual season. Yeah, and this is a strategy. And this is especially this has to do with Cobb and Nelson handcuffing Adams, but it also has a ton to do with uh, the fact that he's Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to him. Sure, absolutely. That's the same reason why Gronkowski and and more recently before the trade today, Graham were top flight tight ends. It's because of their the quality of quarterback. Exactly. You put Kelsey in a situation like Gronk, a situation like Graham oh, was. Don't don't even get me started. I right. can only dream. But I'm just illustrating the point. Sure, sure, absolutely. All right. So we agree that Randall Cobb is still a, a pretty solid wide receiver one. Unfortunately, yes. All right. 
Um, okay, so Brian Hartline signs with the Cleveland Browns. Do you care? Hooray, Cleveland! <laughs> as as we said, Cleveland is that fantasy owner that just makes a random move every now and again and kind of just straggles in. Yeah, I said it last week, uh, talking about another former Brown. This guy's, this guy's a brand new Brown. One man's trash is another man's trash. <laughs> I think uh, it really doesn't matter for the Browns. They're just getting some depth at wide receiver. Unfortunately, Josh Gordon won't be playing this year. Right. Uh, you know that as a as an owner of his, I'm sure. Yeah, I know, I know. You, we don't have to talk about it. I drafted him way too early. What, what did you take him? Like the third round I took in, our, him, in our dynasty? Our dynasty league, I, I took him late in the third round. Because, I mean, if he played, if he... Uh, never mind, I'm not getting into this. I'm just going to get myself right, angry. Let's, let's not get back into a Josh yeah. Gordon rant. Now, now, in Hartline's defense... He did put together two thousand yard seasons in his career. You know, I I understand that, but first of all, it's Josh McCown. Right. Let's let's not forget that fact. Although he may still be an upgrade over Brian Hoyer. But who but who was thrown a heart line? Was it was it uh Tannehill? I mean obviously Tannehill's better, but but still he's he's not a top quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Right, but as you said, they had Jarvis Landry and Charles Clay to kind of draw away that attention. Who do the Browns even have at receiver? Jordan Cameron has made it clear that he wants out. Josh Gordon's not going to be playing. Is Hartline going to be the number one target uh, along with, who is it, Travis Benjamin and guys like that? I, I don't think that Hartline can really succeed when he doesn't. He's not a number one go-to target. He's the guy that fills the void, I think. Well, that's not what Miami paid him as, but that's uh, that's what they realized was the case, and then they let him go. Well, if 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 every NFL player was paid accordingly, uh, things would be very different in the league. I can assure you that. Oh, of course, of course. But with with guys like Travis Benjamin and, and Taylor Gabriel and Andrew Hawkins, I I weep for Browns fans. I you know I'm not super happy as a Bears fan for this year or next but at least it could be worse you know we could be Cleveland fans yeah we could be Cleveland sorry, fans sorry sorry Browns fans sorry no, Browns uh, fans no offense or anything it's just hey, uh it's all about the money right Johnny yeah that's true <laughs> all right so oh here's a here's a quick interesting tweet update uh Uh-oh. Adam Kaplan NFL uh just tweeted that the Raiders are still interested in DeMarco Murray, despite that Roy Hallou signing. That's that's very interesting. I, I don't know what sort of backfield split timeshare they're going to be working back there. but uh, Well, much like huh. the Cleveland Browns, the Oakland Raiders like to do what they like to do, and no one really understands why half the time. This is true. This is true. All right, let's keep going with the wide receiver signings. Jacoby Jones, now formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, signed a two-year, $5.5 million deal with San Diego. Personally, I'm not too excited. I think he's more of a special teams guy who's going to help out with the kick returns and punt returns. I don't know that this really affects Keenan Allen or Malcolm Floyd all that much. This matters just about as much as if Eddie Royal were to have re-signed in San Diego. Um, 
the story in San Diego, as it has been in many years, is a wide receiver carousel. Um, a tight, uh, a wide receiver that not, not many people own will break out at the beginning of the season, have a three-touchdown game. Heck, it might be Jacoby Jones this year and then fall off the face of the earth for the complete rest of the season. The last, uh, the last wideout in San Diego that was worth owning was Vincent Jackson. There was never a second wideout worth owning out there. And I, I don't think that Jacoby Jones signing out there makes me any more interested in Jacoby Jones Eddie, uh, Malcolm Floyd, Keenan Allen, in mine, anything like that. Right, I I absolutely agree. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about Tory Smith in, in just a second. Sure. But what what do you think this means for for Marlon Brown? He's now the de facto number two guy along with Steve Smith. Now that that very well might change. The Ravens may sign a guy or draft another wide receiver. But what do you think about Marlon Brown? I don't think so. I think it's awful because he he's a bigger guy. Um, Joe Flacco is the kind of kind of guy that loves to throw that deep ball and hopefully have somebody out there to jump up and grab it. So it it could be interesting seeing him out there. Of course, he he doesn't um, have the skill set skill set that Torrey Smith uh, did to get out there and go go get the ball like you that. Mean drawing pass interference flags. Yeah, exactly. Drawing pass interference flags and getting your team forty five yards. Hey, I'll take it every time. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Marlon Brown's definitely a very different receiver type. Yeah. But I think that along with Steve Smith, who can who can cover some of the the more breaking routes and the underneath routes, Marlon Brown can still be that big guy to jump up and get it. I think he's six five. Yeah, he, he'd be he's a, a large great red zone target. He's a large man, but they're gonna need some speed. Absolutely, I agree with that. So, all right, let's let's talk about speed. Let's talk about Torrey Smith. Signs a five-year deal in San Francisco. Now, <laughs> personally, I'm not too excited. I think that it's time to dump all shares of Torrey Smith that you might own in a dynasty league. I don't think that he's going to produce anywhere close to the level that he did when he was in Baltimore. I think that the only wide receiver I want on the 49ers is Anquan Bolton. Sorry, can you say that again? The the only wide receiver that I'm really <laughs> interested in drafting right now on the 49ers is Anquan Bolton. I want nothing to do with Torrey Smith, just like I want very little to do with Jeremy Macklin. See, but what are you basing that on? You're thinking he's going to take a step down from last year? Absolutely. I think that, much like Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick is not a great quarterback. He He can do a lot with his legs. He can make the defense... You know, think about it while he's scrambling or about the read option, but he is not a good quarterback. He is not a guy that is going to go through his reads and find that open guy, especially not downfield. And to to add to that fact, Torrey Smith is now going to be facing three NFC West teams twice a year. That is true. But but Cap's got a strong arm and he can buy some time with his feet. Which, which might be what Torrey Smith needs to get downfield. I mean, Flacco was never a guy that could be that elusive. Um, Torrey Smith, in terms of taking a step back, he, he had less than 50 catches last year. Now, he had 11 touchdowns, which is what restored his fantasy value, which is what kept him relevant in the discussion. But he Do you had think less... he's going to keep up that touchdown rate? No, no, no. I, I, don't, th- I don't think that's possible. But I think he'll, I think he'll probably... He'll have at least 50 catches this year. I can tell you that much. He's not, he's not going to dip under 49 again. Um, 
he'll be back with Bolden, which will be nice for him. He's a great compliment, just as Steve Smith was a great compliment to him last year. But I think Kaepernick's going to connect with him. Um, he had less than 800 yards last year, which I don't think is going to be a repeat. I think he'll have closer to 1,000. But, no, I don't think there's any, any way with Kaepernick throwing him the ball that he repeats 11 touchdowns, probably more in the 5-7 um, to seven if he's lucky range. So in terms of wide receivers, what, what tier are you, are you looking at, Torrey Smith? PPR or standard? Uh, both. In a PPR, I think he is... In a standard, I think he is uh, a little higher than we discussed with um, Jeremy Macklin. Okay, uh, sure. And in a PPR... I think he well, is. Jer- well, Macklin, you said, was higher in PPR and lower in standard, right? So this would be the opposite. Correct. Higher in standard and lower in PPR. Okay. All right. So would you like me to relate him to, to Brandon Marshall? No, that's fine. I think okay. that, again, I might just be biased. I've never been a huge Torrey Smith guy. I Whereas think I that, have, he's got he's got a ton of talent, and and it really but breaks. He's so I, reliant on that deep ball that I don't want to have to rely on that. He's he's like a Deshaun Jackson downgrade. But do you remember those those three games? Un, unfor, unfortunately, I think it was around the time so, something had happened with Tory Smith's brother. I, I don't recall what it was, but that game and the two thereafter, he lit the league on fire. He has the talent. He just has to make it work for him. I don't okay, know why he well, hasn't regardless of whether or not a family member's tragedy set set his production on fire that's that's a three-game stretch i think that's more the the exception than the rule i think that he has the speed and the talent but i'm more worried about colin kaepernick as a quarterback i'm that to me is more of a concern than tory smith's skills as a wide receiver i'm not doubting him so much as i'm doubting kaepernick i guess Hmm. Okay, I think Kaepernick just gives him more time to get down to to get open downfield than Flacco did. But I, I so can't. So, do you think that do you think that Torrey Smith in either standard or PPR is going to outproduce Anquan Bolton? Yes, in both. Really, I would rather have Torrey Smith than Anquan Bolton. I will bet you that Anquan Bolden will finish the 2015 season with more fantasy points than Torrey Smith in either format. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, right. I, I'll, I'll take that one. Okay, Dan, if uh, you want to you wanna write that down, we'll keep track of that. Yep, I'd let's like keep to, track of uh, that. I always like to have hard, solid evidence that <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. How much evidence do you have of that over the years? I, 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 I'm still looking for it. Well, we had that bet last year where I said that You're Alshon bring up Jeffrey would bet. be a top 30 guy ADP-wise, and you thought that he was going to get drafted when? All right, I, we, we won't rehash that. That's fine. That's, that's once. That's okay. once. I can't even think of any because there's so many. Okay. All right, let's 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 move on then. Agree to disagree on Torrey Smith. Yes, of course. Uh, who do you want to talk about now? Ted Ginn? Yeah, uh, I think that's that's all we have left for wide receivers, Yeah, he's right? the last wide out on my list right now. I think I think in terms gonna, of the moves that happened, you're right. I think we're gonna cut this podcast after Ted Ginn, and we'll 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 do another update in the next couple of days, real fast, with everything else that I'm sure will have happened since now. Excellent. All right, so Ted Ginn, uh, he's agreed to resign with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I see this very much like Jacoby Jones. I think he's much more of a special teams guy. I really don't care so much for wide receiver production. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, I think Carolina, uh, they're, they're looking to find that wide receiver too. Last year, it was Jericho Cashery who filled that role. Um, did yeah. okay with it. Did yeah, did okay <laughs> with it. But they need they need to find somebody opposite um, Kelvin Benjamin. Actually, what they really need is for Kelvin Benjamin to to stop dropping the ball. If he could do that, then they could put together an offense. That would be awesome for them between him and Olson. Yeah, Benjamin just he baffles me. He'll make some horrible drops and then he'll make some amazing highlight reel catches. And for those and for those exact reasons, I'm going to be the guy that's overdrafting him in every league. Kelvin Benjamin? Yeah, Kelvin Benjamin. So you like Kelvin Benjamin? I like him. I love what he shows me. I it, does it does it break my heart every time I see the ball on the ground next to him? Yeah, it it literally puts an <laughs> extra tear in my heart. It, it gives me coronary spasms. But I, I, I mean, he's just he's he's magic. Okay, so in terms of we're gonna deviate a little bit, but since you mentioned Kelvin Benjamin, mm-hmm. in terms of the rookie class from last year, in terms of wideouts, uh, who do you like him compared? Do you like him more than let's well Odell Beckham? Come on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Is that a question? Right. Kelvin Come on. Benjamin or Mike Evans. Who's throwing the ball in? Are we are we assuming Jameis Winston? We're assuming Jameis Winston. Let's we're assuming Jameis. Does what number? Did the Bucks have the first pick? Yes. So it's sort of safe to assume Jameis Winston. Um, well, it depends on their evaluations. Well, yeah, of course, but 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 we're we're assuming things that we know nothing about, right. which so is which is what all of fantasy. Well, anal- they've they've shown is. pretty clearly that they have yeah. very little faith in Mike Glennon, so it's gonna be not Mike Glennon. Not Mike Lennon. Yes. Uh, Evans did, Evans did per, I, I think it's I think I've got to take Evans probably, just because he's more of a sure thing. Okay, here's here's another interesting one for you then. Kelvin Benjamin, uh, who by the way, in PPR leagues, let's see, he was the number the number seventeen wideout in PPR last year, just for reference. Okay. So Kelvin Benjamin or Jordan Matthews, who on limited snaps was already the number 25 wide receiver last year in PPR, I think. 25, 26. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Benjamin for me just because of how much, how, how much Newton feeds him the ball, coupled with the fact that we haven't talked about it yet. Bradford's got to show me something before I, before I do anything with his wideouts. Well, or Sanchez, whoever we're talking Macklin about. Gone, Matthews is also going to see a lot more targets. He'll also see a lot more, uh, a lot more defense. Okay, well, we'll get to that more then. All right, Kelvin Benjamin or Sammy Watkins with Rex in town. <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin. Okay, I, I lean Benjamin there too. All right, in a PPR, Jarvis Landry or Kelvin Benjamin. It's still Kelvin Benjamin for me. Benjamin had 146 targets. It's it's crazy. So you're saying Ted Ginn's not going to steal too many of his targets? No, I, I don't think Ted Ginn uh, is is one of my concerns. No, unfortunately for Ted Ginn. That's fair. I I think that if anything, Carolina is going to add another wide receiver, be it in free agency or through the draft, and 
so those whoever whoever they will be will be duking it out for that number two wideout job. Sure, and there's plenty and there's plenty of targets to go around. Kelvin Benjamin had 150 of his own, but Greg Olson still had 120 targets of his own. Catchery had about 80, and then there were plenty more after that. But those were your ta- those were your top three uh, target getters. That Greg Olson 120 targets. Did you think the number was anywhere near that? Uh, no, completely honestly, I had no idea it was that high. Yeah. So that's how much that's how much they're having Cam chuck the ball around. That's why if Kelvin Benjamin can catch the ball, especially but, but don't catch the ball in the end they, zone, they man, won't come need on. Cam to throw that much anymore. They just released D'Angelo Williams. It's Jonathan Stewart's time to shine. It, it is his time to shine. <laughs> that, that's that's assuming right. Assuming he doesn't break something. Assuming he doesn't break something, and if he does, then Fozzie Whitaker can pick up right where he left off. I mean, I kind of want to draft Fozzie Whitaker just so I can have some fun with my fantasy team name. Yeah, yeah, you can you can come up with a f- few good things like F- Fozzie Lumpkins and, and <laughs> F- Fozzie, Fozzie Bear. I don't know. All right, I think you just dated yourself a little bit there. All, well, the, all, all the young guys out there are going to have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, gosh. Got to appeal to my listeners. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> all right well let's let's leave it at there for today i'm sure we're, there's going to be a ton more happening in free agency and we're going to try to do another podcast very 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 soon and get get these out to you yeah so, I, i'd like to get these out as soon as possible i think we i i there's think just we, so much happening this year in free agency this is a very very exciting free agent class and we have a lot to talk about with the running backs still even though we our whole first podcast was just about the running backs Oh yeah, and it, and if you're a dynasty player, you know the off season is is the time to actually make moves, not the time to sleep. So that's that's right. You want to win, then this is a year round game. All right, guys. So if you have any questions for us, uh, you can always tweet at us. Uh, my Twitter handle is at ffa underscore mung. That's m e n g. Yep, and I'm uh, at ffa underscore. Los L O S. That's uh, that's what they call me here. And then our our producer Dan Green at FFA underscore Dan. Um, and don't forget to like us on Facebook. And then on the Twitter, uh, don't be afraid. Uh, tweet us what you liked, what you didn't. Um, we're always good for feedback. Um, send us questions. Uh, hashtag them. Mark them with hashtag FFAQs. FFAQs. And uh, let us know any way that uh, you think we can improve the podcast. You know, we want to be interactive with our listeners. All right, guys. Till next time. Thanks, addicts.